the title of my message this morning. You know, Christmas time is when um, families often get together. And there's a saying, you probably heard the saying, you know, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And um, often there's always one member of the family, one person that you know. I've got a couple in my family, but there's only one person in your family who you know when they come round, they know everything about everything. You know, when they start talking, you know, they, they can tell the prime minister how to run the country. They can um, get England's football team back to the World Cup finals again in a few years' time. You know, they know everything about it. They can even tell Gordon Ramsay how to cook the perfect turkey. These people seem to always be speaking and they know everything about all things. Now, you're probably sitting there and some names are flying through your head and you say, he's speaking about my uncle, John. You know, he's not speaking about me. But, you know, there's a sort of sense that people in our families, some of them seem to know a lot. So I come to this and I say to myself, what does, what did Mary know? I mean, a guy came to see me this week and we had a discussion and we were saying that Mary was about 15 years of age when the Holy Spirit spoke to her, when angels spoke to her. And I thought to myself, what do 15-year-old girls know about anything? Then I thought they got a mobile phone and Google and they may know more than me this time of the time. But, you know, Mary didn't have those things. What do 15-year-olds know about anything? And I began to think, what does Mary know? And as I thought about this, I thought, well, you know, Mary knew maybe three things. And the three things that we're going to look at today, and I'll tell you what the three things are. The son, the king, and the name. These are the three things that we're going to look at this morning. What did Mary know, first and foremostly, about the son? Well, the angel spoke to Mary... And the angel told Mary that she was going to have a boy. You know, today we need doctors and, 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 and instruments to tell you the sex of your child. is going to be a boy or a girl you don't really know. And they do all the, the, the working. But the angel came to Mary and told Mary exactly what sex her child was going to be. And the angel told Mary that she was going to have a boy. Before even she had any feelings of, of, of pregnancy, she was told you're going to have a boy. And so we have the Bible reading that we read, um, and it said, he will be great and will be called the son of the Most High. She knew that she was going to have a son. And the angel said, she, he was going to be great. How great? There's plenty of great people in our history. Our history books are littered with great people. Just look. Um, at great inventors, Edison or Alexander Bell, or look at great classical music composers. You know, you have, you know, um, and Bart, and you had Mozart, and you had Handel. Look at great thinkers, and we have Aristotle. Think about great politicians, and you have great men like Winston Churchill. Think about great military men, and you have men like Alexander the Great, Napoleon, Nelson, great people in our history. Go through our history book, and there's tons of men and women who are great. 
What's so different about this one? Now, people who know history will turn around and they will agree that Jesus Christ did come. If you were a good historian, you will testify and say that there was a man called Jesus Christ. And some people say, yes, this Jesus was a great teacher. They'll go as far and say, this man came and he was a great teacher. After all, he taught us things like love your neighbor, turn the other cheek, pay your taxes, do good to those who are evil towards you. He taught these things. He was a good teacher. Some people say that. Others will go a little bit further and they will say, yeah, he was a good teacher, but also he was a good person. He was a great person, wasn't he? He'd done good. He didn't like to see the poor being downtrodden. He didn't like to see people being um, marginalized. He fed the poor. He was a great um, do-gooder, wasn't he? Not only was he a great teacher, some people go as far and say he was a, you know, he'd done good as well. He was a great do-gooder. Others will go on and they will say, well, not only was that, well, I'll go further. Didn't I hear that he'd done some miracles, they will say? I heard he done miracles. So, so he was a great man to, to heal the sick. Didn't he open the eyes of blind people and, and the ears of deaf people? Didn't he make the lame walk? You know, he was a great physician. So, you know, and they will stop right there. He was great at teaching, great at doing good, and maybe great at doing some miracles. But that's all about him. That's, that's, that's enough. And they will leave it as that. They all agree that he was great. But Mary knew something more. Mary knew something that makes him outstanding. Something that makes this baby truly great. The angel told her, this is what the angel said to her, what makes this baby far greater than any of the other great men and women in our history books. And here it is, he says this, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. He was going to be great. Not because of what he was going to do. He was going to be great not because of what he was going to achieve. He was going to be great because of who he was. And here it is. He was the son of God. Now I can hear some people saying to me this morning, well, what does that mean? I've heard that so many times, that Jesus is the son of God. I've heard that in churches. I heard it on TV programs. What does it really mean that he was a son of God? Don't make sense to me. Well, if you really want to understand what it really means that he was the son of God, the Bible tells you this. Look what it says. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him also, he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. 
In other words, what this verse is saying about the Son is that he's just not just, you know, um, like God or similar to God or has God attributes here and there. Now, what this verse is saying is that the Son is the exact representation of God. He is the radiance of God's glory. In other words, that when you look at Jesus, you'll see God. When you look at Christ, you'll understand who God is. He is not just great because he's born and he was a good teacher and because he can do miracles and because he can teach some good stuff. He wasn't great because of anything. He was great because he's a radiance of God's glory. That's what makes him great. And Mary knew this. Mary knew that she wasn't being given birth to just a boy. She wasn't just given birth to just a son. She was given birth to one who was declared to be the son of the Most High God. Mary knew that. Some of you know that this morning. Some of you know that Jesus is not just another name. Like, you know, uh, you know Mother Teresa or, or, you know, or, or, or Gandhi or, or, or someone else. Again, just to, he wasn't just a name. You, some of you know that Jesus was a radiance of God's glory. Mary knew that. That's the first thing Mary knew. She knew that Jesus was more than just a son. Let's go back to her then. Okay, she knew that. What else did Mary know? At 15, what did she know? The second thing that she knew, she knew that he was a king. And not only she knew that he was a king, she knew that his kingdom will never end. So let's have that verse in our Bible. It says this, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. That's very strange, you see, because a king who has a kingdom is great, but that king's kingdom often finishes and closes and ends when that king dies. Someone takes over. But here, the Bible says that his kingdom will never end. I'm going back. I remember when I was back at school, there's some subjects that I really hated. You know, I hated metalwork, hated woodwork. I don't know why we did those crazy subjects. Metalwork and woodwork and pottery, all these things, you know, was, was detestable. I hated them. Some of you probably loved them. But one thing I loved, I loved history. That's a strange thing, isn't it? Some of you didn't like history. But I loved history. And when I was looking at this, I was looking at empires, I look at kingdoms. And in history, so many kingdoms were really big. I mean, some of you might know the Persian Empire. Huge empire, powerful empire. But the Persian Empire ended in 480 BC, before Christ, because it invaded Greece. And the whole empire collapsed. Or you got the Roman Empire. Some of us know about the Roman Empire. But the Roman Empire ended... In 476 AD, some German guy took out the Roman Empire. Coming more nearer to our time, the Russian Empire. 1917, huge, powerful Russian Empire. That all collapsed because they didn't go into the First World War and that collapsed. All these empires, they grew, they were powerful, they were big, but they came to an end. Do you know the you know the we still the British Empire we still got an empire you know we, we, you know we you think England is not that a big player England's a big player 
we still got an empire. Don't know when it'll all fold up, but we still got an empire. But these empires all come to an end. But here's the thing. Mary knew that something different about this king. Mary knew something different about his kingdom. Other kingdoms, other empires come and go. But there was something different about his kingdom. What was different? Here the babe, the angel told her, his kingdom will never end. Now how do we know that? Two reasons why we know. The first one is this. The Bible says about Jesus, after the son washed away our sins, the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The Bible clearly says that our, over and over, it's everywhere in our Bible, Jesus died on the cross. And after the empty tomb, after the stone was rolled away, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to 500 people after he died. And here he is. The verses in the Bible. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still alive or still living, though some have fallen asleep. So Jesus appeared. After he he died on the cross, after he was buried, the Bible says that after all of that, he appeared. And that verse that I just quoted to you a few moments ago, he sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down at the majestic God right hand. The glorious God in heaven. He sat down. The everlasting almighty God sat down. In other words, he'd done one job already and he ain't finished yet. He sat down. Second reason why we know that his kingdom will never end. The Bible says this about his kingdom says this, just as people are destined to die once and after that they face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. You see, what the Bible says is that He's coming back again. He will appear a second time. The first time he appeared was in that Bethlehem stable. The first time he appeared, it was mentioned in the Old Testament that one day this child will be born, a virgin will be with child. It was mentioned in the Old Testament and that happened and the wise men came and the angels came and the shepherds came and everybody sat down and saw this child that came. He appeared in Bethlehem. But the Bible says that one day he's going to appear again. That appearance was now, that appearance was here, that appearance is in history, but now the Bible says, one day he'll appear again, his kingdom will never end. But not only that, look what it says, therefore God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. At the name of Jesus, Every tongue will confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord. His kingdom will not end. Now Mary knew this. Mary knew the angel told her his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His kingdom will have no end. And Mary heard that right in the beginning day. And now the Bible tells her that Jesus Christ will come again. He will reign again. And even though you may not believe that, you need to look back at the evidence and see what already has taken place. History told us that his first appearance was predicted and it happened. Now the Bible says his second appearance is going to take place. His kingdom will have no end. Well, let's just finish this message off and look at the last thing that Mary knew. She knew that his kingdom will have no end. He's a king, he's a son, but she also knew his name. It's strange, the angel didn't give Mary the opportunity to name her child. The angel gave her the name. We had, we had it in, in Luke's gospel. We also see it in Matthew's gospel. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You are to give him the name Jesus. Now all of us who are parents here, we all know how difficult it was to name our children. Um, Kim and I, you know, it was easy to name our daughter Rachel, really simple, but Kim and I, we, 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 we had two boys and, and, and we couldn't decide on the name of our children, and, and so we had to have a list of girls' names and a list of boys' names, because we didn't know what's coming up. And, and so we, we, we wrote it down, and for weeks and weeks, we was eliminating names and checking names out and added new names. It's a wonderful experience, but also it could be quite confusing. Have you chosen the right name for your child? My mum definitely chose the right name for me. I mean, Jeremy. I mean, I didn't want to be called Jeremy, but that's what she called me. But it's a tough job finding a name for your child. But Mary did not have that problem. Mary was given the name. You are to call him Jesus. Well, how? Because the Bible, she knew the meaning of the name as well, because the meaning was given there as well. Call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Well, how was he then to save people from sin? Before we answer that question, we need to understand the nature of sin. How awful sin is. Now, we don't like speaking about cancer. I think we hide away from cancer and the reality of it because it's an awful illness, isn't it? And because cancer normally happens inside the body, no one really sees it. And it happens inside the body. And, and, and we know how destructive and ugly cancer is. There was a wonderful lady in this church some years ago called Daphne Burrell. A wonderful Christian lady. She had cancer in her mouth. And her throat. 
And I was with her throughout her treatment. She should live down in England's Lane here. In fact, some of the Bibles at the back there had been donated by her years ago. She had cancer in her mouth, and, and I was with her, and, and, and I went down to the hospice where she was at, and, and, and I saw her a number of times, and, and the cancer moved from her throat and her mouth, and it went all over her face. It took away half her face, a big, massive hole all around her face. It was ugly. The cancer was horrible. It was destructive. She's a wonderful Christian lady, and she died with dignity, praising God. The whole family was around. The whole family wasn't Christian. And she had them around, holding their hands and praying for herself and praying for her family, even though she was the one who was dying from cancer. But it was ugly. Now, if you can be cured from cancer, wouldn't you want that? If you could be saved from that disease, wouldn't you have that every single time? If you can be rescued, cancer can be guaranteed to never, ever touch your family. Wouldn't you be pleased to have that guaranteed insurance in your life? I know I will be. Well, the Bible describes sin as far worse than cancer. Look what the Bible describes, the Bible describes sin. It says this, for the wages of sin is death. On the radio, I listened to the radio and the Mary Kerry um, advertising things comes on and, and they say a little slogan and they say, life is still life with cancer. That's what they say. Life is still life with cancer. And they're right. You still enjoy your life even though you've got that disease in your body. But this... The wages of sin. You're carrying around sin with you all the time. It's ugly. It's awful. It's terrible. It's terminal. And yet sin is in the life of every single person in the whole of this world. And nobody seems to be concerned about it. No one's concerned about the sin. We've got cancer research. We've got money spent on, on trying to find a cure. And rightly so. But how about sin? What are we doing about it? It's in our lives. You can't see on the outside. We're all dressed smart and, and turned out well. But sin is corrupting our inside. And it's causing death in every single person. But Mary knew something. Mary knew the name of Jesus. She knew that name. And that name was this. Call him Jesus. That's his name. Because he will save his people. He will be that cure for that cancer. He will be that one that's able to go into that life. And instead of having a terminal illness, that life can be turned around and changed. And that man, that woman can have eternal life. His name is Jesus. How is he going to do this? How is he going to turn it all around? How is he going to change me and make me into someone who's not going to die, but someone who's going to live? Someone who's not going to end up in hell, but someone going to end up in heaven? How is he going to do this in me? How is he going to change me? That's the question. 
where the word of God says this. Just as people are destined to die once. Here it is. We are destined. There's no getting away from it. There's no sidestepping this issue. Just as men are destined to die once. And after that, to face God. After that, to face the judgment. We can't sidestep him. We've got to face him. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away sin. Just once. In fact, the Bible says this. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. Mary, what did you know? Mary would say, I knew his name. I know the name means he will save his people from their sins. I knew his name. How was he going to do it? He was going to do it by being a substitute. He was going to take your place and my place. He was going to be the one who will take the, the, the unrighteous position, even though he is righteous himself. Is everywhere in the Bible. Mary knew his name and the meaning of his name. And Mary was there at the cross. She saw his back being whipped and opened up with whips. She saw him carrying that cross up the hill. She saw the crown of thorns on his head. She saw his face, the face that was once soft and beautiful, now bloodied and black eyed and blood coming out of his mouth. She saw his face. She saw him being stretched out on that cross and being nailed to that cross and then being hoisted up. She saw him naked. The same baby that was naked in her arm is now naked for the whole world to see. She saw him. And when she saw him, she knew his name. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. That's my boy on that cross. That's my son on that cross. But I know his name. He's not, hasn't got any other name. He's got one name. That name is Jesus. And that means that he's doing all of that to save men and women from their sins. <clears throat> so that's how you know the grace of God. I only quoted a verse half. I should have quoted the whole verse, but Romans 6, I quoted this verse. I said, that for the wages of sin is death. That's what I said. But I didn't give you the full verse, but here it is. Here's the full verse. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. See, many of you are expecting a gift this Christmas. And a gift that you're expecting, you didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. You didn't pay for it, unless you're the father that you've got to buy gifts and your children give it away. But you didn't pay for any gifts. You didn't, it was given to you Totally without you doing anything for it. Because somebody loved you. Somebody thought about you. 
Somebody went to the shops and said, I'm going to buy this thing for this person because I love them. And I want them to have it. Even though they may not be the most nicest person in my family, I'm going to buy them a gift. But listen to this. God has a gift for you this morning. You cannot earn it. You cannot warrant it. You don't even deserve it. And yet he has a gift. The wages of sin is death. That's awful. That's terminal. We don't want that. But here's a gift, says God. Here's something you don't deserve, but I'm willing to give it to you. Free of charge. Here it is. It's through Jesus Christ. If I can hear someone say, well, how can I get that gift? How can I lay hands on that free? How can I do it? How can I? I'll tell you how. You've got to see Jesus Christ dying for you. That's how. See him on that cross for you. See him being blooded, being beaten up, having the nails driven in his hands. Hear his voice crying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God will reply to him, because you are bearing the sin of everybody in Golding's church this morning. That's why I have to turn my face away from you. That's why I have to forsake you. You're bearing the sin of those in Loughton. That's why. And now God invites you to take hold of the free gift. Because you've seen Jesus dying for you, wounded for you. Mary, what did you know? You're only 15 or so, thereabouts. You've got a baby, you don't know anything. You don't know about life, you don't know how to be a mother, you don't know how to be a, you know, a wife. What do you know? Mary said, well, I know a few things. I know that he's a son of God. I know that his kingdom will never end and I know his name I've been told it his name is Jesus and he was called that but he was saved rescue ransom those who have a terminal illness those who are dying he will ransom them and bring them home my dear friend are you with the, those who are ransomed, saved, delivered? Are you still looking at the history books and saying, he was a great man, he was great, done the great things, like all the other great guys? Will you stop for one moment and realize that he was great because of who he is? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the privilege that I have to preach this wonderful message. I thank you, Lord, because it's a glorious, wonderful message of salvation for men and women who do not yet know you. I want to thank you that, Lord, throughout the calendar year, we have reminders your grace reminding us of important dates. And this season, Lord, we are reminded that you stepped into our time. You stepped into Bethlehem. You stepped into Galilee. You stepped into Nazareth. You came down 
and you walked amongst men. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us of these glorious things. Thank you that Mary knew something wonderful. And may we ourselves learn what Mary knew. May we lay hold of what Mary laid hold of. And may we know Jesus as your as our own personal Lord and Saviour. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.